Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Dennis Schuler. I'm your moderator of Vendapunkt, Inflection Points with Senior Leaders. I'm joined this morning and in his late evening by Saran Saranjan, who's president of PNG's Asia PAC Middle East and Africa business. This is a massive uh, geography that Saran manages, $12 billion business with approximately 17,000 employees, serving over 105 countries through a portfolio of leadership brands across a wide range of consumer product categories, namely baby care, hair care, home care, personal health care, fabric care, grooming, skin and personal care, family care, feminine care, and oral care. And for the listening audience who may not be that familiar with P&G's range of story brands, Saran's portfolio includes such names as Pampers, Ariel, Gillette, Olay, SK2, Always and Crest, all billion dollar plus brands. He's currently based in Singapore, as I mentioned, where the APAC regional headquarters is located. He has over 27 years at P&G and has loved every minute of it. Uh, Saran is passionate about making a difference in the lives of consumers across the region and globally through the company's brands that touch and improve their lives in small and substantial ways. Started at P&G in finance at their global headquarters in Cincinnati and rapidly rose through the ranks. Um, he was educated at the University of Indiana, the Kelly School in Bloomington. Uh, he holds an MBA from the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. And he sits on several boards, <clears throat> which is reflective of the type of leader that Saran is. He's a member of the board of directors of the Singapore Economic Development Board and the Singapore Accountancy Commission. He's a member of the US Asian Business Council to promote mutually beneficial trade and investment relationships between the United States and ASEAN. And he's an advisory board member of the Singapore Management University's Lee Kong Chine School of Business at Northeastern University Center for Emerging Markets. I'm excited about speaking with Saran today for three reasons. One, I first met Saran more than 15 years ago when he was visiting from China where we was on assignment right away, I sensed an emerging leader who possessed a very nice balance between intellect and humility. Since then, I've followed this career with great interest and been pleased by his career progress. He's one of the really good ones. Uh, second reason is he's a bright switched on leader who understands how to build business by taking full advantage of the human potential. And I mean this in the most positive way possible. And third is he leads the most geographically diverse surface area of any exec that I know. And I thought it'd be interested, interesting for you as the listener in his viewpoints and thoughts about managing such a diverse region of countries, people, uh, national origins. So Saran, welcome to Vendipunk, inflection points of senior leaders. I'm just amazed, let me start with first, um, the territory you cover, 105 countries and you know, guys that have been in your role in the past have suffered from uh, deep, th deep vein thrombosis from flying those long distances. Uh, so I'd like to start with if you could describe your role and what a typical month might be, because I think there's a not a typical day, but I think a month would help the viewers. And I'm curious how you cover such a large geography and such a diverse set of nations and people and ethnicities and religions. And I mean, you got the biggest, largest surface map of any executive I know. So I'd like to just start there and Ask you, how, how do you manage all that? Too bad that all of that surface map doesn't spend equally, but uh, that's a story for another day. Uh, but it is quite fun. 
and in the yesteryear of the pre 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 the world turning upside down um, uh, last year I was on the road 270 days um, hmm. typically do a country a day and uh, it's uh, come in full uh, have full day in the markets uh, I enjoy being in the markets I've never been one just sit in a conference room and, and, and drive for fast, so to speak. And then uh, the day begins, the day always begins with a workout, no matter where or how, what. And uh, it starts with always picking a place to stay or at least a temporary place to freshen up with the gym. And then you get going. And first thing is in the market, see the stores, see the consumers uh, and get, you know, get with it. And then we spend the afternoons and uh, the early evenings, and then we have a get together, get a chance to meet the local teams. And that's a typical market visit. Uh, a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I'm also curious, because uh, I'm a curious guy, as you might, might know. Um, but, you, you mentioned, you know, and I, and I know from my time at P&G, we always talk about touching and improving lives in small and substantial ways. Can you give some examples of small? And also substantial, just give a kind of a range of um, touch points that uh, your company has in the market. Yeah, it's a, we're blessed to have a range of brands that can serve people during these times and at any time. Um, you take brands like Safeguard and, you know, Joy Fairy Dishwashing. Uh, in these times, uh, they're especially useful, especially needed. Uh, and then one must not forget that when... Uh, you know, uh, staying at home has become uh, something that we must do. Giving the daily delights, uh, you mentioned SK2. Uh, things like, you know, fabric conditioners where when you wear even your home clothes, it is uh, something that smells great and gives you the freshness. Uh, freshness is not just when you go out. Uh, then when you look at what our brands can and need to do from a force for good, they've got, you know, uh, you know there's something that always whisper you know, uh, keep girls in school all the time. This is the time to do it. And we're trying to figure out how the brand can help educate girls uh, when they're at home. And there's just number of initiatives that our brands have a responsibility to take on during these times, and they are and very pleased and proud of it. And, and just to uh, try, if I can build on that, what have you learned in your role about people? Um, and specifically, what's surprised you and what's been confirming uh, not to get too philosophical, but um, what does your experience suggest for humankind? Because I live in uh, I live in the U.S. and you know divisiveness is the soup that's being served continually back here, and it sometimes has you think about you know where we're headed as a society. But again, you get across so many different countries. Uh, what what do you what do you know to, and what have you learned to be true about human beings? No, you're right. Uh, you know, this world can have many uh, diversifying uh, forces. Um, and what, what I get to see is the positivity of humans. I see the commonality that we're all, you know, that we're all latching onto, which is growth. All of us want to grow, no matter which corner of the earth, which family, which social strata, which um, this growth is universal. And if we can focus on each other's growth, and if we can focus on, you know, the worthiness of each other versus how we're different, um, then I think we're going to be in a better place. That we would be in a better place. The places I get to see and serve, uh, it gets to be, you know, I see the, 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 that that 
that ambition, that aspiration to grow, no matter what you were born into, you want to grow. Parents want their children to be able to do better than them. Um, every teacher, uh, every one of our colleagues wants to make sure that the next generation does better than them. This, Dennis, I think, unifies and uh, all of us. There's lots of lots of studies around uh, the post-COVID world that will never be the same. You know, people engage at a different level, use different mediums. Like you and I are talking across uh, 12, 13 time zones in my morning and your late after late evening. What do you think? Um, what do you think the changes will be that you see in the marketplace with consumers, how they interact with brands uh, that are that are here to stay, that are going to be post-COVID? Uh, trends that'll be more norm going forward? So there are a few trends that I do believe will stay and then others that over time will revert to something. Uh, the trends I believe will stay is the, the, the each of our focus, renewed focus, if you may, on health and hygiene. Uh, and this is going to stay with us, Dennis. This our generation. Our generation, the generation of folks who are living through this and will say, you know when, We'll have this focus. You don't have to tell people in the future again that they need to wash their hands uh, to cover their nose when they sneeze. This is going to be reflexive. The second is we have relearned the beauty of staying at home. Uh, too often, you asked me how many days was I out last year, and I would say 270 days. I've learned the wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, um, you know, life of living at home, staying in your bed, saying hello to your family every day, I think part of that is going to stay. And the third one is there's a certain ease that has come into our lives through, through e-commerce. Uh, those who are not yet converted, Dennis, are, have converted and are converting fast. And this is going to be a way that's accelerated the movement to where online and e-commerce is going to be a major, major part of business. Yeah, I can, I, can, uh, <laughs> I can identify with uh, being home for the last year. I can also identify when you're flying as much as you and I do. You wake up in the hotel and you wonder what city you're in. Exactly. Or the same Marriott lobby, lobby looks the same, whether you're in country X, city Y, it all looks, it all kind of blurs together. So it is, it, it does allow you to kind of reconnect. Um, if I can ask you one more question about, um, you know, in the moment as you do your work, uh, I, I noted one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is, is obviously I respect you and I, I watched your career uh, emerge and blossom over the years at P&G. I'm also an avid reader of your posts and you're one of the, one of the, one of the odd ones, and I don't mean that negatively, that when you put a post, it's always about people. It's not about yourself. Um, you're part of a setting, you're profiling people. Uh, and I'd like just to talk about what are the early forces in your life, people and events that shaped your values and how you manage, because your management style, at least from afar, looks pretty egalitarian, as opposed to uh, typically hierarchical that corporate settings can, can often be. You seem to be the anomaly, and I'm not saying you're the anomaly at P&G, P&G has great, great leaders, but generally across the board, people resort to hierarchical position power as opposed to more egalitarian, thoughtful uh, management styles. That's the one I think you have. And I'd like you to just comment on forces, people, events, things that shape your viewpoint of how you manage others. 
That was a long-winded long question for you, sorry. It's a very deep question that, so let me uh, try I to- I want to give you time to think. Answer. Um, I think the, the diversity of experiences through life and, and life as it has, as it has you know, unfolded for me, has taught me every year and reinforced the, 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 the sheer beauty of, of humankind, of, of, of the interest. And if you're curious about people, how much you can learn. You talked about you know, having, being in the same lobbies and wondering which country. At the end of the day, the sights, sounds, smells of the human activity in each of these places is different. The lobby may look the same, but it's just amazing whether in Morocco, if you're in Tokyo, and, and, and it just infuses you uh, in ways in which it is direct and, and often indirect. I grew up in Africa um, from the age of four, and it was neat to see the different, like, you know, Zambia had 72 dialects. I grew up in Lusaka and then a little bit in Tanzania. And then moving to the US at 16, and that cultural sh change uh, and how it took me a while to fit uh, into that new society. And then on to China many years later, uh, you know, Cincinnati and, and, and then here and so on and so forth. The, the people side of it has always been the one that I've enjoyed and I've grown the most from. Now, one has to be open to learning from people. You have to have cultural empathy. So that's the first I would say. Mm -hmm. I, the second is you truly have to celebrate the person and the people versus have some kind of a compass that you judge. And I find that as I get older, um, I find judging is detrimental. Rather looking for the worthiness in the individual, no matter what stage in life, it may be you know, early in their, in their life career, later, uh, you know, whatever their persuasion is, if we don't judge each other, and I, I feel like I'm in a pulpit here, but I truly believe this. And what I aspire to every year, you know, so uh, as, as I get, you know, uh, on with the years is, is, is how can I judge people less? Now it's human to judge, but how do you judge people less and rather find what is so great? How do you see in others what their mothers see in them? And if we can do that, I think then our learning and our own growth is accelerated. Were there, and were there specific things? Uh, I know, again, as you mentioned, you grew up um, in, uh, in Africa, you moved and you had several assignments around the world. I think I met you on an airplane uh, when you were, I think when you were running China, I think I go back that far. Are there, are there people that stood out for you or events that were like, wow, Dong, you know, I, I got it now. Uh, I know what to do, I, I'm gonna go forward, you know, these things that are pivot points for us. Sometimes they take us down a path that we would want to be. Sometimes they reinforce uh, kind of what's within us. And then we, we blossom as leaders. Are there, are there people and events that stand out for you that drove you? Yeah, we, we are infused uh, by all the folks we've had the good fortune to be in touch with and, you know, in, in some depth. And, and for most of us, perhaps all of us, our parents are the first that first infusion um, in most so then you remember instances in which they set you on a path uh, and and if they do their you know if parents do their jobs right so to speak and I'm a part of the three now is you instill 
in, in, in your kids, uh, a lifelong journey of learning. Um, and from that, uh, one can you know, aspire to achieving uh, other things, uh, which was um, the big life, biggest early, early life change I remember is, is taking one suitcase and leaving Africa to go to Indiana University. Uh, in Bloomington, uh, Bloomington, Indiana. I've never been to the U.S., never been to the West. Uh, and, uh, and it was daunting. I remember the first day snow came as soon as I arrived and I got completely lost. Never seen snow before. Yeah. Um, maybe that's my dislike when it's been cold weather anymore. But I think uh, first job, um, you know, I did not have a green card, so to speak. I was uh, you know, a foreign student. And somebody somehow hired me in, uh, as, a, as a CPA in Elkhart, Indiana. If you think of a small town with a few stop, couple of stoplights, and I was a CPA. Um, and then one of my clients, and he was amazing and very shy. He ran, uh, he owned mobile home, and he asked me to work for him. And I went and became his accountant. Uh, I was 20 years old, and I was very accountant. And he would tell me to go places as his accountant, and he says, go to Shippenville, Pennsylvania, uh, go to Danville, Virginia, and go see why the variance is out there. And I would take my Honda Accord and drive it across over the Allegheny and, 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 and arrive there, and, and there would be a, you know, a plant manager who has you know, 30 years, 40 years experience, you know, 55 years old, and here is, here I am trying to ferret out what happened and why is this bathtub costing us double that it should. Those are some of the early experiences of how you need to be humble in order to be able to transact business. And age and experience can be bridged. Then further on in Chicago and joining PNG, and you and I you know, followed similar tracks when you joined PNG. We all start off as the freshers and then we uh, we uh, uh, learn. PNG has this uh, you know growth from within uh, mindset that they will teach us. And certainly PNG has taught me most of what I know. I think along the way, it's humbleness. The, the managers I've had, um, as the eras of management change, and now it's my third decade, has been from the, 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 the big bombastic style of, you know, of uh, get everybody in a room and, 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 and see how you perform, to what I learned from my, you know, the person I worked for the, for the longest, which is David, and uh, David Taylor, CEO of P&G. And how the empathetic style, empathetic approach gets more out of people uh, than other, other approaches. And this is what I strive to today. How do we, you know, I mentioned this word worthiness. How do, we, how do we see the best in each other and really amplify that and put people in an upward spiral? And that then translates into good stuff. And good stuff for business results, good stuff for positivity, good stuff for health. And all this, I believe, you know, a place like P&G and, 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 and other companies like us can really give people a quality total life. That's fantastic. Let me take that a little bit further, if I can, Saran, um, in terms of navigating large-scale change, because Chris, you've been, uh, you're in your third decade now at a really great company. It, all companies have ebbs and flows. Um, and in a region as diverse as yours, uh, navigating large scale change is, um, I would say probably daunting because you got so many countries and so many uh, people to reach. What have you found useful 
in navigating large scale change? Because you guys just went through a pretty significant with David in charge over the last, uh, what is it now, six, six years plus now? Uh, pretty significant change. And you guys are back on your feet, really, really performing well. What's it been like for you? And how do you, how do you manage change in a region as large and as diverse as yours? Yeah, and David has done a fantastic job, and it's just so great to, for him to lead us. And I've had the good fortune of uh, working for him now for 12 years, 13 years. Um, first is focus on outcomes, Dennis. Too often we react. We react to events, react to cycles, and, and, and you know, getting, ensuring that everybody's focused on an outcome um, is a first order. The second is balance. Uh, when we, you know, a word that uh, I typically don't like to use is pivot. I think pivoting in business, um, um, it, it can be dangerous. I think balanced approach typically uh, lends itself to higher outcomes. The third is fundamentals. Any time I find us uh, distracted from the fundamentals, whether you know, making sure we have the best possible product, the best possible packaging, the best possible communication, best in-store presence, best value, we run into trouble. And just look back on you know the history of time with not just our company, others, and even on specific sub-businesses if you look at specific markets. I see it over and over again. And I think when we put these three together in, in all in, all endeavors. Um, uh, good things can come in a sustainable way. Yeah, and that's important. Uh, obviously, um, I read uh, over the over the weekend in the Wall Street Journal, Emil, you know, his recounting of what went wrong at GE, um, which he doesn't take a lot of responsibility for, surprisingly. But um, you can lose your footing as a company uh, pretty quickly, and yet business has such a can have such a positive role in society, what do you think the role of business is in society and what challenges do you see um, you know, macro in the world and how might businesses solve or provide solutions for those, those issues? Indeed, I, do, I believe this businesses have got, uh, has got a more than responsibility, a mandate um, to, to serve a broad set of constituents for good. Uh, we know the obvious one, which is this, you know the shareholder. Uh, there are the employees and co their colleagues. Uh, you've got the broader ecosystem. Of, you know, in just AMA, with hundreds of thousands of people who who, who are part of the ecosystem who rely on PNG, and, and that's even before you get to the millions of consumers. And then you've got the world. We have a responsibility to the world. Uh, to, to ensure that we leave it a better place than we found it, to find that for whatever reason, anything that, any injustices we find, and again, uh, it, 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 they say it's nice to behold what injustice, but it's, it's an obvious one, um, that, you know, such as say gender equality, there's no reason why in any place you can't have, you should, you can't have equal men and women. I, I don't understand it. Uh, but for, you know, over time, for various reasons, again, you know, you find the imbalance. And I think as a company, we have a responsibility and an opportunity to be able to, 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 to balance that. Uh, so certainly shareholders, certainly uh, the employees and, and the stakeholders uh, on the broader ecosystem and 
um, uh, an opportunity, frankly, that should not be wasted uh, to leave this uh, this earth a better place uh, than we found it. And let me let me take that a little bit further, if I can, with you. Um, you know, I know you're a, you're a passionate believer in social responsibility and diversity, equality, and inclusion. What what kind of what fuels that passion, first of all, Saran, and then how does that manifest itself in you as a leader and what you focus on, and how you go about bringing focus to those areas? I've been fortunate in in all the places I've been. I've been the minority, if you may, whether that was in Africa. Uh, as a foreigner there, whether it's in the United States, China, um, like even here uh, in Singapore. Um, and all the while, inside the company, outside, I've never felt um, discriminated that at the end of the day, my own hard work would not, um, at the end of the day, prevail. And I can't imagine where, where, when that is not the case or how people will feel. So when we see that, and I say we because the company sees it very consistently, and I see this, is when you see that imbalance and you see it, then it is our responsibility to help get to balance. May not happen in one's own time or generation, but again, from a growth standpoint, if we can leave it a better place than we found it and pass the baton to somebody who will take it to a better place, then we've done our part. Yeah, um, you know, I had Pullman uh, on my little webcast uh, last week. And as you know, Paul ran Unilever for, uh, for 10 years and he was at P&G for about the same time you, you actually been 27 years. He took a beating. Um, you, toward the end of his reign uh, on the 3G guys that were coming in and were making a bid on his company. And he said, no. Um, and of course he's been proven so right now, uh, given, I think he told me his stock price is up 60% and they've had to restate their books and been through two or three CEOs since. What's the, what's the essence of good business in your, your view? Again, you're working in a company that has generations and generations of great managers, terrific brands. And there's something in the, there's something that sets uh, companies like P&G apart from others. What do you see as that, that secret sauce, that specialness, that uniqueness that a company like a P&G or others that have kind of stood this test of time has vis-a-vis -vis their competition that may not be as good and wither and die in the vine? A few things and, and, and having the history of a long history of, of the company PEG helps because often the stories get passed down generation to generation. And even though we may forget short term, sometimes uh, we always remember. And we'll do a few things. First is focus on the consumer, focus on what's important. We're here to serve consumers. And by doing that, we serve the broader ecosystem and talked about it you know, before. Uh, and that model, that clarity of model, if we can get that infused across the organization, then uh, we will have less a chance of forgetting. And that comes down to, with each of our brands, ensure that these brands can serve more consumers each year. Second is these, these brands can, can meet unmet needs through innovation. That uh, we're constantly on the on the front end of finding things to be done that we that she may not even know about yet, 
And the, and, the, and the third aspect is create brands that have such delight that they can't help but use it. It is just a treat. We talk, you know, talk about these, these pandemic times. It's a treat in which you know, if you use fabric softeners, it, it, it's, 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 it's just every time you swaddle your baby with a pampers, you can tell the difference between that and a lesser brand. This is the purpose of our brand building and how we can lead the brands in a better place. Now, that by itself is not enough. You have to have, as a company, as an individual, leadership. You've got to have innovation that is seen as lifeblood. And you've got to have, importantly, the citizenship aspect of it. Without that, it's become too single-dimensional and not sustainable. Yeah, let me uh, let me build on that and ask you another question in terms of advice for others. Um, again, we talked about um, you know companies that stand the test of time. You you just recited three variables that underpin uh, long term success, which I would fully agree with. Um, what advice would you have for for executives and other companies uh, that haven't quite found their voice either in social responsibility, either in diversity, equality, inclusion? or they're running unhealthy businesses at the moment, uh, what would you recommend to them? I think for all of us, uh, this continuum, this lifelong journey of getting truer and truer to one's purpose, all of us need to find our purpose. And when we do, we're able to prioritize and we're able to find our voice. So that's first. The second is be humble enough to keep learning and take the judgment out from clouding one's own learning agility and, and, and have as unfiltered as possible the learning process. And you can choose what you want to use, internalize, that's our choice. But let, the, let, let that input be unfiltered uh, versus biases and, and, and other negative items. The third is invest in yours and everybody else's capacity. The biggest reason in which we don't learn, I found, is because we run out of time. Time is finite. And if we can find, you know, the way our engineers are so amazing at finding, using time study every minute, and how fine-tuning the machines to be super efficient, if we can fine-tune this machine, the human, to be efficient, goodness, I mean, there's so much time, and then we choose how to invest that. And I guess if there's a fourth one, and uh, the risk of having too long a list here, is, uh, is energy. Uh, when people of high energy, you want to be around them. You know, there was that old book, you know, Zapping and Sapping. You want to be a zapper. And whereas, as I said, time is finite, energy is not finite. Maybe finite the whole world, but between you and I, we can give each other energy. And so finding people that give you energy, finding the, 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 the work scopes that just light you up and you don't see the clock uh, you know, uh, turn um, and, and finding that, that, that ways in which uh, the things we do are able to create energy for us and those around us are four you know, corners of what could be a successful growth journey. Do I... Um... I thought Zoom and other technologies like Zoom would be impersonal. It would be distancing, no pun intended. 
But what I find, and I'm on calls like you are every day, eight hours, usually it's multiple people on calls, but I, what I find is people participate more because I, there's something about the somewhat of the anonymity that you have on Zoom where you can, you, you're not, you don't feel like you're judged when you're making a comment when, versus when you're in a big room with the boss and you're about ready to make a statement, all eyes kind of train on you like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to say that. But in some ways, Zoom kind of levels that out a bit. We find it to be much more participatory as a result, taking your taking your comment and building it into the group setting for a moment. It is it is fascinating. It is. We see our training um, results scores, if you may, feedback higher than in person. Uh, we see, like here, I see participation. Um, town halls, Dennis. Uh, when we talked, and last week uh, I had a, uh, a town hall, and we had. Uh, Gosh, two and a half thousand people, three thousand people. First, that was never possible in the past mm. uh, in the stadium to assemble all that. Second, we, when one talks to the larger group, you're talking to the individual because through the screen is one on one. It's not this, you know, talking into a stadium. Uh, so I think there are many things that are going to be part of this better normal as we go forward, uh, even after the yeah, pandemic. I agree with you. Uh, what, what do you? What advice do you have for younger executives? Um, not that we're, you and I aren't that old, but you know we're now looking at the next generation and you know how we groom the young and emerging leaders. What advice would you have for them? Gosh, um, you know, uh, keep doing what your parents and your teachers uh, try to instill in you. Keep learning. Uh, the person who learns faster than the next uh, will achieve more and you, you get to define what what, what your each person's ambition is uh, second is be a student of capacity capacity will ultimately get get us all on our knees and those who are able to handle uh, the beautiful three s curves of life family passions career and these three are, are growing exponentially every year. And the only thing that's not growing exponentially is the same 24 hours and seven days that we had way back. Mm -hmm. And those are able to integrate these three without the inevitable trade-offs and guilt are going to grow faster and, and, and achieve more and achieve more. I, I would agree with that as well, uh, Saran. I mean, um, when I think about... Um, the emerging leaders, the younger leaders. Uh, by the way, when I when I used to recruit on campus, just as a sidebar, the two questions I would ask is um, after you talk to weather and all that stuff to loosen up the candidate. Uh, tell me in a tell me in a paragraph what our strategy is. And you get this. I've had people say, "Do you guys?" This was when I was at PNG. Do you guys make Tide? It's like, okay, this is going to be a short interview. I'm going to go the half hour, but it's going to be short. And the second question to ask is, what you're reading this morning's or today's Wall Street Journal? Because I want to understand how creative, how thoughtful, how switched on, how connected to your point they are. If I can take that just a bit further, you've seen your share of uh, executives, and I won't get into the names and all that stuff, both inside and outside P&G. But what do you think separates the really unique, really great leaders from kind of the good? They're, they're good, but you know, they're not, not really great. The people that really stand out, what do they do and what do they do that's different? 
The first is great leaders um, seem to have unending empathy. They seem to be able to relate to you no matter what. They have good days, good results, bad results, good days, bad days, they did things right. But always understand where you're coming from, put themselves in your shoes. And this is aspirational. Uh, that emotional balance, that emotional maturity that it requires uh, is one that, uh, looking back. The second is curiosity. No matter where, what stage in life, how many years you may have, uh, having this, uh, this, this, this perpetual curiosity uh, to keep you know, unfolding, unpacking, and, and, and asking why, 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 uh, is, is, is uh, one I see the great leaders. And, and it goes back to those who learn more uh, and to get more done. The third is energy. Great leaders have got seemingly boundless energy. They are constantly zapping people. You know, it's just like ET. They go and you know, they just give you energy. And I've got to date myself. Um, but it is... Uh, and it's just fun to watch, fun to watch them walk around the floor, fun to watch them interact and how they make, make everybody to the person feel valued and that they are the center. And it could be for that minute, for that 30 seconds. Um, I think these are three things that uh, I aspire to. Yeah, great. I, I call them, as I listen to you, empathy, perpetual curiosity, and the energy. They're kind of like bee pollinators, aren't they? in organizations, they're, um, they, they are trying to understand the human, but, and they're very curious about that and what they do and why they do it and how they do it in a positive way. Yeah, and then they give energy off as a result of that. Um, so I always, always like them to um, pollinators in the garden, bees going from business to business, people to people create this kinetic energy, which at the end of the day is at the at the foundation of what great companies stand for, what great companies are. Indeed. My last question for you is, what's next for you? As you think about your next, um, at least as I looked at my career in life, I always looked at it in five to seven year blocks. I don't know what, what you do, but as you think about your future, um, what does that look like for you? What do you wanna be able to do uh, with your life going forward, Saran? Now, I've been fortunate to have a, a good quantum of experiences and mastery. And, and, and now, over 27 years, and gosh, 32 years uh, since coming out of university, um, to have had the opportunity, the good fortune to have different um, engagement agility, the Z axis. Um, with this quantum of experiences, what I hope is I can do more. Uh, for, 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 for people. Um, I know I can contribute and keep contributing, but boy, it'd be fun, Dennis, to do something like, you know, start an orphanage. Uh, there's so many orphanages in Sri Lanka and India. And can you imagine, you know, you know now, you know, having the confidence of having brought up three boys to do that for 300. Mm -hmm. And that would be very life fulfilling for me uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to do something along that, along the vector. Um, I believe at a business level, we can keep learning and growing and contributing. And what a, what a fun, fun thing we get to do. Uh, you, know, just, you know, I can't believe I picked the right career. Now, uh, maybe uh, 
it wasn't as much picking the right career as making the career right, but uh, it was, uh, uh, it has worked out well enough that there are a number of, number of opportunities in front that uh, still with some time to go under, under these, uh, under these uh, uh, skits. Well, good on you, my friend. Good on you. Listen, I, I, uh, I love you. I think what, how you talk, you get such a nice blend of intellect and humility. And I think that combination serves you so, so well, no matter what you choose to do in the future. Uh, I know I'm keeping you from your dinner. It's late and sing. So, uh, Saran, listen, I really appreciate it. That's it from uh, Vendapunk, Inflection Points of Senior Leaders. I'm Dennis Schuler. We'll see you down the road shortly with another guest. Be well and take care of yourselves. Thank you.